Hi, my name is Scott Evans, and I'm the Church of Ireland chaplain to UCD, and I'm part of the teaching team here at Holy Trinity. And it's a strange Sunday for us in that um, it's, not, uh, it's not actually Sunday for us as we record this, and uh, it's strange to be standing um, preaching in a place where we gather as a community and to be one of very few of us here. Um, we want you to know that we miss you, and we're looking forward to being, to, uh, being together again, uh, hopefully soon. But in the meantime, we're going to continue our cross-examination series where we're looking through um, the final chapters of each of the Gospels, and we're exploring the words of those who witnessed Jesus' crucifixion and how they reacted to it as those who saw it firsthand. Today we're in Luke, and I'm just going to read again the, uh, a couple of verses of those who were standing by watching the crucifixion. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him saying, This is the king of the Jews. To imagine this well, I think we need to understand who the Roman soldiers were. They weren't Jews, they weren't from Israel-Palestine. They had been moved to the area to be part of an occupying force, an army that dominated um, this whole landscape. And they exerted the, the force and the power of the empire by violence, by fear. They're calloused. They're probably battle-worn and cynical. They're not from there. And they're smug about the traditions of this oppressed people living in what they considered to be this podunk area so far from Rome, which as far as they're concerned is the center of the world, the center of civilization. So this isn't their first rodeo. It's probably not the first time they've seen a crucifixion. And we know from historical records that 3,000 people were crucified just up the road in Magdala around this time. These soldiers, they've seen what happens when kings rise up against empires. And they've seen these kings beg and cry and bargain when they face the full force of Rome's power and violence. For them, this is just another day in the empire, but for us, it's the day that the kingdom declared its manifesto of self-emptying love. You see, the Roman soldiers, they think, what makes you king is your ability to save yourself. But in Jesus, we find a king who is willing to empty himself. In Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul writes, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is significant because Rome's emperor, is Caesar. And the Romans believed that the Caesars were sons of God who, who, after their death, would take their place among the gods. They believed that they had equality with God. For them, this equality with God was something to be exploited. It was something through which they would, they would um, exert their force and their power on the world around them. But Jesus, who, who has this equality with God, he doesn't regard it as something to be exploited, to be grasped onto or taken hold of. Instead, he empties himself and he pours it out. Jesus does not exploit his power. He does not exploit his potential to be unharmed and untouched by the suffering of this world. In the empire, power is about your ability to save yourself, about how immune you can make yourself, how untouchable and undefeatable you can become. 
See, in the kingdom of God, power is not wielded against others. Whatever power we have is used for the sake of others, not against them. Power doesn't protect us from them. Whatever power we have is used on their behalf. And it can be hard for us to come to terms with or admit to the power and the privilege that many of us have. It may be our health, it may be our financial security, it may be our family support or our social standing or the networks that we have around us that keep us from fear or threat or insecurity. But we have a choice about how we're going to live. A choice as to whether we're going to be slaves to fear of losing it, whatever it is that we have or servants of love. Do we choose that fear that makes us hoard food and soap and toilet paper? Do we try to profit from the world's pain? Do we choose fear that makes us suspicious of those who are strangers? This morning I was at the pharmacy talking to the pharmacist about how our community could figure out creative ways to help people who are vulnerable or at risk get their medication. And the pharmacist introduced me to somebody. He said, could you have a word with her because she's really not feeling okay. And I said, sure, what's up? And they explained the situation to me and they said, she's one of three sisters, all of whom are elderly. One of them has had a stroke and the other one saw it and tried to catch her and they both ended up in hospital. And now this one sister who's left at home trying to figure out how to get her medication, how to get her food, how to keep the heating on in the midst of her fear, her loneliness, her worry for her sisters and her worry for herself. When we choose fear, we say to people in these kind of situations, save yourself. I gave her my number and I told her to ring me if she needs groceries or whatever it is that she needs, anything that she needs at all. It's not much, but it's what I can do. But this is the problem. When we hoard food, we're saying to the person without, we're saying save yourself, like the Roman soldiers. When we become arrogant or complacent about social distancing or hand washing because we're less likely to be affected than the elderly or the vulnerable, we're saying to them, save yourself. In a world of fear and scarcity, it's so easy to be like the soldiers. It's so easy to settle for another day in the empire. What's infinitely harder and endlessly more beautiful is to become people of the kingdom of self-emptying love. People like Peter in Acts chapter 3, where Luke writes, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the beautiful gate so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold. But what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. I may not have much in the way of silver and gold, and I may also not be able to say, stand up and walk. We may not, not be able to cure everything. We may not be able to change everything. But we can still say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the king who refused to save himself, whose power to feed led him to feed 5,000 while he refused to turn stone into bread for himself. In his name, what I do have, I give to you. During this time, as individuals and communities, let us learn the lesson 
of the one who does not save himself, but pours himself out and invites us to a kingdom of love, not a kingdom of fear. Amen.